God, we thank you so much for um, all that you give to us. Uh, we thank you that we get the opportunity uh, to celebrate and rejoice and lift up your birth uh, coming up. And, and we just give you all praise and glory. And we know our nation is in a crazy time, it seems. But we just praise God that we can step back from that and just focus on you and what your birth did for all of humanity. Uh, we ask that in the coming weeks, you also, coming days and weeks, you also uh, allow us to be in prayer for those people and families who may not be able to enjoy Christmas with their loved ones. Allow us to be in prayer for our soldiers and firemen and first responders, all those who may not be able to be at home with their loved ones but are on standby uh, to protect and to defend uh, and allow us to remember that even though we enjoy exchanging gifts, that we received the greatest gift the universe could ever have, and that is the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, we pray that you would bless us this morning as we lift up, celebrate, and rejoice in you. Pray that you bless our offering, bless us as we sing, bless us as we open your word, and we pray that everything that we do would be a blessing to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. All right, as you are getting situated uh, and uh, getting seated. We're going to continue. Uh, we're actually going to end a series that we've been doing called Let Heaven and Earth Proclaim, uh, where we're just looking at a specific passage of scripture and what it says to us about just proclaiming and rejoicing in the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, now, this coming week is Christmas. And of course, I have to ask, how many people have finished Christmas shopping? That was one hand. I kid you not. Okay, two. Okay, all right. Anyway, okay. Well, wait. This is what? How many people have finished Christmas shopping? Oh, okay, okay. That was one hand of a person who was paying attention. That's what that was. Okay. Now, now, here's the thing. I want to share with you. I saw this list online. Uh, I want to share with you. It's um, th three gifts that no husband should buy for their wife. And before anyone complains, I don't have a list for what ladies should buy or should not buy for their husband because I'm not a lady, so I can't tell you. But um, things... Okay, apparently the ladies have a very strong opinion about this, all right? Uh, but uh, I'm... I'm <laughs> now I'm kind of... I want to skip it because I don't want them to get mad at me if I get it wrong. So I'm going to... Put, put this out there, husbands, do not, I mean, go with what she says over what I say every single time, so if I'm, if I get it wrong, uh, but along the lines of furniture, one of the things they say you definitely shouldn't buy is like a scale. <clears throat> now, in my mind, that's an awesome gift because they have digital scales now that you can like link to your phone so that all day long, you can get reminders of what your last weight was. But apparently, um, no matter how cool this scale is, that is not a good gift 
to give to your wife. So even though I would love it, um, just, just don't do that. Don't, don't make that a gift for your wife. Uh, the other, well, one of the other things that they recommend not giving are gifts that are either household appliances or cleaning supplies or cleaning tools. Uh, definitely, did someone just clap? Yeah, wow. Okay, definitely not good gifts um, unless, now there, there, there is a, a, again, listen to your wife, don't listen to me, but there is a, a one instance where those are awesome gifts, okay? So if you are taking over, like, all of the cleaning, then you can get a cool cleaning tool. If you're taking over all of the cooking or dishwashing or, or laundry, the, and the women are shaking their head, no, we're just going to move on. So I'm just saying, well, don't do that, okay? So just, just don't do that one either. Don't, don't just give it. Um, this next one is, is a little... little uh, let me just put it out there, okay? Uh, don't get your wife Santa-themed nightwear. I'll just put it at that. And the reason they say, even though you might think, oh, da, da, the reason they say is because you don't want to look at your wife and be reminded of an old bearded white guy. So... Any Santa-themed nightwear, don't do it. And we could all use some Bible right now. So um, we're going to continue, but I want to share something with you before we continue. Because last week, um, open your Bible to the book of Luke chapter 2. Uh, and we're going to jump in there in a minute. But last week, we played the Charlie Brown Linus um, uh, clip where Linus read this passage of Scripture. When Charlie Brown said, does anyone know what Christmas is all about? And Linus said, I know what Christmas is all about. So he went and lights came on, microphone, and he just, from memory, quoted this passage of Scripture, which was pretty awesome. Uh, and a portion of what he quoted was Luke chapter 2, uh, 8 through 10, and there were, and this is the King James Version, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. Now, for us, it makes sense. Uh, you know, an angel of the Lord appears and, and starts talking to you. Yeah, you're going to be afraid. But what I didn't know is that when Linus um, and Christy kind of educated me on this, uh, last week, when Linus was speaking this, now if you're familiar with Linus, you know he always has his blanket. It's his security blanket. When he said this particular verse, verse 10, and the angel said unto them, fear not, he dropped his blanket. And that was intentionally put in there to show that even though we all know Linus has, and I know some of you are like, Charlie who? Because you're not familiar with Charlie Brown because we're robbing our children of like a good education. But Linus always had this blanket that he carried around. It was his security blanket, and he would freak out if he didn't have his blanket. But when he said, fear not, he dropped his blanket because the focus was not on, hey, uh, the fear, being afraid of the angels because they were so afraid. It was on fearing not because now 
they're being told, I bring you tidings of great joy. This is not a time where you're supposed to be afraid. This is not a time where people are supposed to be scared. This is a time where everyone is supposed to rejoice because of the good news. And I was unaware of that until Christy told, told me it. And she said when she read it, when I played it, she read it before last week, but when we played the clip, she was watching along to see, and she said, yeah, right when he says fear not, he drops his blanket, which is awesome for them to put in. The fact that they have Linus quoting scripture uh, in any case is just good. But it's awesome for them to put in because this is supposed to be about celebrating and rejoicing in the birth of Christ. And the fact that you're being told, hey, fear not, we're not supposed to be afraid, even though situations around us haven't changed the one thing that has changed is this, this, this event that we celebrate is, is the single most important thing in the universe. Because never before had there been a time when natural things, you know, the, the, the earth spinning, the, the, the universe moving, and spiritual things intersected consistently and regularly on a regular basis. There were times where they would intersect, but now... With the birth of Christ, this good news, this great joy, is because now they are regularly and consistently going to intersect. And let me just summarize really quick. So when we started the series, we started looking at um, the shepherds going out and them proclaiming the good news. And we said this word used over 160 times in the Bible, and they went out and they proclaimed, you know, after they went and they saw, they went out and proclaimed to others you know, that this is true, that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is born. And then they went out and celebrated. And then we looked at this song, um, one we just sang called, Oh, Come, All Ye Faithful, where the author wrote, Adesti Fidelis Leat Triumphantis Veniti Veniti in Bethlehem. And I probably butchered that, but unless any of you actually speak Latin, you have no idea if I got it right or wrong. So I'm just going to assume I got it right, which translates into, Oh, Come, All Ye Faithful, Joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. And that song is proclaiming, hey, all you guys who believe, all you guys who are looking to God, come and adore and rejoice in the birth of Jesus Christ. And when it was written, it was, it was uh, and there's still people who debate over uh, what the actual, you know, um, authorship, who actually wrote it and how it actually came about. But then last week we looked at the proclaiming, not just that Jesus Christ is born, but the peace on earth aspect of it. Whether or not there's actual, you know, can you have peace on earth? And we looked at this verse, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And we said that multitude isn't the entire host of heaven. It's representative of all the different, and if you can go back and look at the series we did on all the different types of angels that exist, uh, and heavenly host, that word host, is a military word, a military grouping. And we said this is because this was a change of command ceremony. This was all of the hosts showing up, and it's not like, oh, they showed up and they sang in a great choir. They showed up, and they were, like, giving honor and respect to the Prince of Peace because Jesus Christ was born. And it's not that, hey, we can now have peace on earth because it's Christmas. We can now have peace on earth because the Prince of Peace is on earth. And through him, we could experience a peace like never before. And we looked at the song, 
we actually did look at this song, despite what the tech team will tell you, where Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote, like we said earlier, this song. Um, and, and again, he wrote it, like we said earlier, at a time when um, his life was going through like a mess, where his, his wife had died, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I mean, we probably have people in here who have lost loved ones. And his son had been shot, and he didn't die from that shot, uh, but he was incapacitated. And, and how many people say, yeah, we know people who are in the hospital or we're still praying for Ed and Helen, who are or for Helen, who's recovering. We're still praying for Ken McCormick, who's recovering. We have other people and family members that we know that are in the hospital, and they're not going to be around the Christmas tree or around the dinner table, uh, and we're still praying for them. And he experienced all of this, and his nation was at war, civil war. Now, right now, you know, our nation is not at civil war physically, but we've got political parties going at it. We've got religious denominations, uh, one religion versus another religion, you know, rich versus poor, black versus white, all this stuff that, that's, that's plaguing our nation. And at this time, he looked and, and he said, there's absolutely no way I can even begin to believe that there's peace on earth. How can there be such a thing when my life is in turmoil and this nation is in turmoil, and my loved ones are experiencing turmoil. And then through Scripture, he came to see, and he, and he wrote, if we open up our hearts, then we can hear the bells ringing and experience peace on earth. And I know there are a lot of people that are going to find it difficult, especially, you know, with all they have going on to, to experience peace on earth. But there is, and, and this is what, it's why I love Christmas, because it's a prime opportunity when people are looking to see, is God real? Can he help me? And the way God has chosen to manifest himself and show them that he can is through us. When we go to them, when we show up, not because we expect something back, but because we want to share the good news. We want to proclaim uh, that Jesus Christ is born. We want to share with them that, hey, no matter what's going on in your life, you can have peace on earth. But there's still one aspect that, that uh, I want to look at from this verse. So we looked at proclaiming. Uh, we looked at peace on earth. But in Luke chapter 2, this is, this is what we read in verses 10 to 11. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold... I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, here's the thing. The word, sorry, check. The word great literally is, is a, a Greek word meaning megas, where we get our word mega. Anyone ever, like, you know, megasize it at McDonald's? Yeah, yeah, we all have. We just don't want to admit we eat at McDonald's still, but... If you've ever, like, gotten the mega drink or the mega fries or whatever, that means it's uber big, giant thing. And joy just means, like, great extreme happiness. So um, this, is, this is what this is supposed to be, mega extreme happiness, which is what a lot of people feel when you get the big, giant 72-ounce drink at McDonald's. You feel like mega extreme happiness. That's, that's what the joy is supposed to bring. But, but we don't actually experience it that way because here's, here's the way the world defines joy, right? This is the normal, everyday, you can Google it, um, definition of joy. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. It's a feeling that you get. Now, here's the problem. We all have 
issues. So sometimes I don't feel joyful. Sometimes if there's financial stress, I don't feel joyful. Sometimes if there's issues in a relationship with a spouse or a loved one or a family member, parent to child, child to parent, I don't feel joyful. Sometimes when I wake up on Sunday morning and I come in and the sound system isn't working and things are chaotic, I don't feel joyful at all. So that joy that we're supposed to experience at the birth of Christ Sometimes I'm just not feeling it. And I don't mind saying that because I know some of you, sometimes you aren't feeling it either. But here's what God tells us about joy, okay? Word joy is used over 200 times in the Bible, 100 and at least 150, I think, of them are in the Old Testament. So the foundational principle of God saying joy, joy, experience joy, 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 is in the Old Testament, where, where the foundation of Christianity rests. And even if you look at the New Testament, over and over, God's saying to a bunch of people with no internet, I want you to have joy. No Starbucks, I want you to have joy. No Wi-Fi, I want you to have joy. No famous football team to rally around on Sunday. But he's still saying, I want you to experience and to have joy in your life. Now, here's why. In 1 Thessalonians, and, and we've been looking at this, and I'll give you a little bit of background on it quickly uh, in our midweek Bible study. This is what Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. Verse 4, he says, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, meaning God, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, in the book of Acts, it talks about Paul going to visit this group of people in Thessalonica. And when he got there, over a three-week period, he shared the gospel with him. He answered people's questions. Yes, God exists. Yes, God is real. Yeah, there's a God that can help you, blah, blah, blah. And when he was done, it says that, uh, and I don't remember specifically, but uh, some prominent women, uh, some of the Jewish people, and even some of the Greek people, all came to believe. Three weeks, and then he left. He left because there was a riot. Like the people rioted because these people were coming to Christ. They, they didn't want that. Now, over the course of this three weeks, he started those group of believers, became the, Thess the church in Thessalonica. And within six months, they began to lose their jobs. So if you're a prominent person, meaning you have money, you own a business, and then people begin to, like, not use your business because of your religious belief, you're going to start losing money. They began to uh, get, get fired. They began to, people began to talk about them and physically threaten their lives. So he writes to them and says, you became imitators of us and the Lord. You received the word in much affliction. People weren't happy and rejoicing that they became Christ followers. They started persecuting them. And he said, you received it with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now, if, if, if you step across the line of faith, right, 
let me put it this way. Let me, let me give you something you can. If you were to go to the next home Steelers game, and when you went, you were to suddenly say, you know what? I think I want to be a Baltimore fan. And so you were to, in the middle of the game, pull off your Steelers jersey, put on your Baltimore jersey, a Baltimore hat, and throw on a Baltimore scarf just for the sake of it, along with some gloves and probably glasses, whatever. People are not going to be that fond of you. So that transition might be occur with much affliction. Now imagine, you know, people today aren't going to start, well, they might. I was going to say they're not going to start hitting you and throwing stuff at you, but they just, I mean, it's Baltimore. Anyway, you, you, you get the picture. People started persecuting them, but when that happened, they were happy despite the persecution. They received it with joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason the joy comes from the Holy Spirit is because God wants us to experience joy, not because of what's going on around us. And if you look at this familiar passage, some of you are familiar with Galatians chapter 5, it says, but the fruit, and it's the Amplified Version, chapter 5, verse 22 says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes is love and joy and peace Patience and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, continence. Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge. So the f- word fruit literally means, and we all understand what fruit is, it's, it's the result of something growing, a transformation process that's happening within us. So the result of God's Holy Spirit being within us is one of, and it says this is the fruit. It's a singular product. All of these things together um, are, are a result of God's Holy Spirit being in us. And one of those is joy. So when God's Holy Spirit is in us, then instead of a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, because instead of like I feel joyful because my circumstances are great or because the Steelers are winning or because I got paid or because of whatever's going on, instead of that, uh, it's a mega extreme happiness brought about by God's Holy Spirit working within you despite what is happening around you. And some of us can say, yeah, we've met people who, we're, we're, you know, you look at them and you say you're, you're, you're going through great financial hardship, but they're still joyful and happy. You just lost a family member, but they're still joyful and happy. Uh, they're, they're in great distress. They, they just lost their job, but they're still joyful and happy, and people try to figure it out. And it's not something we can figure it out because it has nothing to do with what's happening around them. It has to do with them allowing God to work in them. Now, let me share this, this, this with you, another experience. There's a guy named Isaac Watts. Born in 1674, died in 1748, and he wrote about 750-ish hymns. And uh, in some circles, uh, he is called the father of hymns due to his popularity as the first English hymn writer. Uh, He wrote, uh, When I Survey the Wonderful Cross, uh, Come Ye That Love the Lord, and Joy to the World. And it was written in 1719, and it was based on Psalm 98, 
Uh, just a couple of verses from Psalm 98. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with a harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and sound of cornet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. Now, here's the interesting thing, because we just sang that song. Uh, we sang a version where some of you were not familiar with. Uh, so I could hear singing, singing, and then quiet. Singing, singing, and quiet. It's okay. But uh, if you notice the lyrics of the song, you don't see anything in that song, Joy to the Lord, about shepherds or about a manger or about the wise men or about the birth of Christ because he didn't write it as a Christmas song. He wrote it as a song looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. And then somewhere uh, like 100 years after he wrote it, there's a guy named Lowell Manson who adopted and arranged the song uh, into um, what we know today. And somewhere along that, it came out as a Christmas song. And, and his idea was, um, hey, the return of Christ, that's something that should fill our hearts with such unspeakable joy that we can't contain ourselves. And then somewhere along the line, I'm going to ask the band to come up because somewhere along the line, someone else looked at this song and thought, you know what? The, the return of Christ is awesome, and, and we're going to look to that with joy. But they said, we can look back to the birth of Christ as an event that the angels proclaimed would be such, give us such unspeakable joy that we can't contain ourselves. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and as we close, we're going we're gonna to sing that song, Joy to the World. And, and I, w- I want to do this first because I know that I just got to be totally open and honest. Um, like this morning, again, when I walk in and stuff is not sound, stuff isn't going. And, and, and there are times when even though you're standing in, you know, this building and you're getting ready to be a part of the church, we're just not feeling unspeakable joy. And literally have to take a moment and step back and say, God, I, I, there's, there's nothing around me right now that's going to make me more joyful. But I need for your spirit within me to bring about that unspeakable joy that despite what's happening around me, that you bring about worship within me. And we're going to run into people, because Christmas is just next week, um, we're going to run into people who despite the fact that Christmas is coming, they're focused on hardships, they're focused on um, um, job loss, they're focused on um, financial issues, they're focused on marital issues, they're focused on relationship issues, believe it or not, and and I've shared this a couple of times, that over the holidays, suicides increased. Not because people are looking forward to like, hey, I don't have, it's, it's just a time of loneliness and darkness where instead of joy, the situation and circumstances are, are blocking people from experiencing joy. So in a minute, we're going to sing, but I just want to pray, God, if you would, again, allow us to be that vessel that you use to speak to our families, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, to speak to our husbands, our wives, our sons, and our daughters, to speak to those within our circle of influence that we might be that bright light during an otherwise dark time that reveals to them that they can experience unspeakable
the circumstances in their life, despite the hardships, despite the broken relationships, that we might be able to share with them that there is a God who loves them and that he is worth celebrating and rejoicing. We pray this in Jesus.